M-U-T-E spells mute. <laughs> All right, if you're happy to be here, let's just give out a shout of clapping for celebrating our grads for baptism. Isn't this a great day? It really is a great, great day to be together. We have so much to celebrate. Um, I'm Matt, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I'm really excited for uh, uh, the chance for us to be together. And uh, most of all, to celebrate our grads um, and the graduation of baptism. It's, uh, it's really great to, to be here today. So proud of you all. Um, we also want to say thank you to those who were part of our paint night fundraiser on Thursday night. Um, our youth are traveling to Bridgewater for an event called Tidal Impact, and 25 of us are going to Bridgewater in July, and uh, we'll be going to serve, to be a blessing, to impact the community that we're going to visit, but then also to be impacted ourselves. And so for those of you who are supporting our youth, either through prayer or financially to make that, uh, that trip a reality, uh, we want to thank you for, uh, for those of you who are investing in that way. And being part of it. Um, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to the screen there. If you have uh, children, perhaps, that go to our River Kids or River Tots uh, programs, or perhaps if you're wandering through uh, that side of the hall, uh, you've probably noticed some posters that look like these outside of our small group classes. Um, often we talk about the color orange to explain um, our philosophy, our way of doing what we do, um, and how we do it. And so often we'll use the color orange. So we say that red is the color of the love of the family, and we say yellow is the color of the light of Christ, the light of the church. And so red and yellow combine together to make orange. And so we use that color as an illustration in our mind, but not just to say that one plus one is two, we actually believe that when the two influences work together for a common purpose of investing in our next generation of people, the combined effect is greater than just one plus one. And so we, when we do what we do uh, with our children and in the next generation, if we want to see them thrive, we want to see them succeed either vocationally or academically. Um, essentially, we want to see them thrive spiritually as well. Uh, but we want to leverage every opportunity that we can to make sure that we are offering a great influence. So uh, those opportunities, our curriculum uses the word phase. So each child, from the time that they're newborn to the time they transition to uh, pre-adolescence, adolescence, teenage, young adult, uh, all of those different times in uh, someone's life, our curriculum uses the word phase. And uh, there's an app that goes with our curriculum. And that app, uh, it helps uh, parents be informed about what our children are learning about through their programs, about some of the ways that they can live out their faith together, and the way that uh, the family can be a spiritual influence in the lives of their children. And the interesting thing, both in the posters that you see outside of our small group classes, as well as the app, is the ongoing reminder that every phase is short. Every phase 
has a time period to it. And we all, uh, probably if we know people who are a younger generation, we know that those times go by so fast. And grads, I'm sure that you know uh, that in this time of your life, you're probably getting a whirlwind of, of finishing school or perhaps looking to your future. And I know that you guys would probably say that this is a time where life is going by really quickly. Well, I would say that we all know that this is a time for you uh, to just enjoy, to celebrate. Um, and in the midst of the busyness and in the midst of all the exciting things that are happening for you, the reminder is that it is just a phase, so don't miss it. Now, this app and these posters on the bottom, you may not be able to see them, uh, but there's a reminder that as each child goes through each phase, uh, that through that short period of time, uh, you can be informed of how many weeks you have left until your child graduates. And so a, uh, newborn parent, a newborn child into a new family, uh, the poster on our nursery says that there are 936 weeks and counting until your child graduates. And on the app, when I open it up, the very first thing I see is up-to-date information about my own children, about how many weeks they have left until they graduate. And the impact there and the reminder is that our opportunity to influence changes. And we want to leverage every opportunity that we have. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. Now, I know that we showed uh, the photos of our grads already. Uh, there's a video that kind of explains uh, the importance of our curriculum and why we want to value and leverage uh, the combination of the love of at home and the faith at church uh, so that they have a great impact. But that, I won't show you that video because I think we've all had our uh, emotional fill already for the morning. But if you could imagine with me what the video looks like, imagine a room that is decorated and furnished for a nursery. So you've got your crib, maybe a rocking chair. And then the video transitions to, maybe it's a room that an elementary child uh, would, would live in. And then the room changes and so that it's decorated in a way that a teenager uh, would live in it. And then finally, the room decorates, but it empties. And there becomes less and less stuff in there as a reminder that our grads, and as they achieve and as they exceed, a new phase, a new transition in their life is coming up, and our opportunities to influence changes. So you can imagine that that would be a really emotional video, so I will save that for us today. Uh, but instead, we want to celebrate today. We want to we celebrate the good things that are happening, the hard work, the de determination, the drive, all of the things that uh, led our grads uh, to this point. And what I would like to share this morning is a Bible verse that was shared with me uh, when I graduated. And it's from Philippians chapter 1. And I've asked that you would turn there with me today, if uh, you have your Bibles with you. Um, Philippians chapter 1. If you want to use a red Bible that's uh, in one of the chairs in front of you, uh, you can turn to page 1824. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll read a few verses for us today. Um, there's really one verse that I'd love us to focus on in particular, but so that we can get a, a picture of what um, Paul is talking about in this passage. Um, there's three points that I'll share with you this morning. Uh, thinking about our grads, but it's not just for our grads. I think there's a message here for all of us to receive as well. The reminder that we're part of a team, that good things in your life reflect the goodness of God, and the difference you make lasts longer than the years of your life. Philippians chapter 1 is the beginning of a letter. And I wish sometimes that I could write 
a letter or an email as eloquently as Paul does to start off his letter to the Philippians. But I'll read how Paul opens up his letter uh, for us to consider here this morning. Philippians 1, and I'll read verses 1 to 11. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. This is the letter that he starts to the Philippian church. Now, like many other churches that were planted, they started small and they started quickly. Paul and his missionary team were only in the city of Philippi for a few short days. And in that time, the very, one of the very first churches ever established in all of Europe was founded. And listen to the makeup of the people uh, that the book of Acts talk about were the first church uh, in the city of Philippi. It was a very wealthy merchant named Lydia and her household a jailer and his family, and a slave. Probably not the first people that you would think of if you were to form another life group here at Rivercross. But from that small community formed one of the oldest churches in Europe. So a few, a few short years later, Paul is in prison or in house arrest uh, for what will be the rest of his life. And he's thinking fondly back on that church in Philippi, the Philippian church. And he remembers their generosity. He remembers the support that he gave to them. And he offers this encouragement to that one early church, which I think can extend to all of us for a message that we need to receive here today in 2017. And then I offer it to our grads as well as something to think about as they go through an exciting time in their lives. These are, all encur these are encouraging words for us all. So in the work that you do, the goals that you set for yourself or to the grads, remember the first one, you are part of a big team. In this passage, uh, I read the word that Paul addresses all of the saints in the church in Philippi. Now, often we think of either one or two things uh, when we think of the word saints today. We either think of a football team or another sports team, or maybe we think of an individual who was um, venerated maybe in another uh, church, or, you know, that saint we often think of as an individual person. But Paul is addressing a whole community of people in this letter. He's writing to the entire church, which started off with those three small families, and then grew, and then grew, and then grew. Paul's intention was for everyone to hear his words, 
and he refers to them as saints, people who were set apart for a specific purpose, for God's purpose, and for good things. That idea is that God's people, that early church, and for all of us, is that we are united. We are one to do accomplish, to accomplish one thing and for God's purposes. But we know that unity doesn't happen unless we set aside our own intentions, our own desires, and invest in the interests and the desires and in the good of others. We put others' needs ahead of our own through good times and through bad. So when we imagine maybe a groundbreaking discovery in the field of science or a humanitarian effort to end injustice or even a great individual sport effort or a creative expression of art, anything like that, when you think about the highlights or the achievements or the successes or the things that we are celebrating even today, we're often drawn and we're reminded of the people who invested in us and the team that we have around us to help us get to the point Um, that we are in now, where we're celebrating. The same is true for our faith. We need each other. We need to rely on each other and depend on each other to do the kind of work that God's global church is being called to do today. So we do need that unity. We need that to be one of the main things that we strive for in our lives today, today, is unity. But part of that is celebrating milestones to recognize that hard work pays off and that the good works that God starts calls all of us to get on board, calls us to make a difference as well. So when we celebrate graduation, determination, hard work, success, we're not just celebrating for our own personal gain. We're celebrating because of the investment that we can give back to other people. A few weeks ago, Pastor Rob reminded us that when we go to live our lives on mission, we don't just go in our own efforts, in our own strength. We go with God's help. But then we also go with the resources and the support of our entire church family. So that when we go into our world, we are going with the encouragement, with the support, with the resources that the rest of the church offers to you as well. And that is true for all of us. But equally so, we are called to support others to be a resource for others and to help them as they walk on their journey. We are all part of a bigger team. Also, uh, in the work that you do, this is number two, in the work that you do, the goals that you set for yourself or to the grads today, I say the good things in your life reflect the goodness of God. So Philippians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6, says that God created a good work in you. God started it. Now, often when we think of um, a verse, if we wanted to explain what God's thoughts or his passions are about justice, often we go to a, a verse in the Old Testament. It's on the screen. It's Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. And I'll read it for you. He says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I love the reminder that we see both in Philippians 1-6 as well as Micah 6-8 that God shows us his goodness. He has things for us to see. He reveals things about himself for us to enjoy 
and for us to respond to. I love that reminder that God has shown us what is good. Now, first and foremost, if there's anything else God could have shown us about his goodness, he showed it through Jesus Christ, who he sent to this world to show us to how, how to live a kingdom life, but then also that he would pay the punishment for our sin so that we could enjoy eternal peace and eternal relationship with God. That is as good as it gets. And that is good news in itself. And God has shown that to us about how good it is. But our God, as loving and as wonderful and as great and as perfect as he is, he didn't just stop there. He gave us other ways that point us to that good news, those other good things that God has shown us. For example, maybe the joy and the honor of walking across that stage and receiving your diploma. The beautiful wonder of the diversity of God's magnificent creation. The joy of seeing someone overcome a difficult challenge. Enjoying a masterpiece of art or of music. Or seeing how one person's life that was headed toward destruction was saved and by the grace of God moved toward wellness. Or when people come together to support a friend who can't help themselves. Or when a group of students stand up and take a stand for what is right. All of those are just glimpses of just how good God is and the good things that he's doing in our neighborhoods today. God has given us the ability to know what is good. And he's shown it to us, not just for us to enjoy, but like in 6, 8, Micah 6, 8, to respond God didn't just show us what is good so that we would benefit from it. But the Lord requires something of us because of his goodness. Because of those good things, will you live justly? Will you love mercy? Will you walk humbly with God? by making yourself available for service with God, by knowing what's good and responding to do those things. We're not just living for ourselves or making an impact that we uh, will someday see an end to, but instead that kind of impact, the kind of things that God is calling us to do with our lives, lasts so much longer than ourselves. The impact will extend even longer than our lives. And so finally, a reminder for us all in the work that we do, or in the goals that we set for ourselves, to our grads here this morning, the difference you make lasts longer than your years. So a picture here on the screen, it's a cathedral in Spain, in Barcelona. It's called the Sagrada Familia. And it's a cathedral, and it's mostly famous because it was built in the 1800s, but it's still not finished. The original religious leaders, uh, the people of that day who had a passion to see uh, a place where people can gather to worship, uh, the architect, the original architects of that day had a great dream. And so began construction, and one of the early architects, uh, his name was Gaudi. He was poor but tragically killed before the building was even 25% complete. And to this day, People have continued that legacy, continued the dream, continued to work on this cathedral so that, praise the Lord, someday there's an anticipated finish date of 2026. 
So after 200 years almost of this building being under construction, there is a day where, we, where we, the architects or the people of Barcelona will see their precious cathedral finished. It's remarkable that this dream was so extravagant that people, even after the original dreamers dreamed, continued on their work. But I also wonder, won't we all in our lives wonder if we'll ever reach our own goals? Don't we often wonder if the things that I'm doing, the things I'm investing my time or my life or my passions into, will it ever truly pay off? Maybe some of us are going through those kinds of feelings right now. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to really question, God, why am I spending all of this time and feels like what I'm working on is never going to get finished? Well, Philippians 1.6 remind us that God starts a good work in us, but that he carries it through unto completion. God always finishes what he starts, and God started something good in us. That is an incredible promise for us to remember as we strive to work and to see God do good things. Now, notice in this verse that God says his promise is not that he would carry it on to completion until the day that you reach your peak. He doesn't say God will carry out that good work and he will complete it until the day that you have mastered your craft. And it doesn't even say that God will carry out and complete the good work in you until the day you die. He doesn't even say that. But instead, notice his promise is that the good work that he started in you, God will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe some of the good things that have happened in your life your hard work, your dedication, your goals, your skills, your passions. Have you ever thought that God could use all of those things that have eternal and heavenly significance in not just your life, but in the lives of the people that you bless? That is the work that God is calling us to do, to live a life that doesn't just benefit ourselves, but has a lasting legacy. The difference that we can make with our lives lasts longer than our lives ourselves. So in Philippians here, in this, in this letter that Paul wrote to his church, his context is that he's reminding and encouraging the church that God has done a great thing in his church, and he will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Imagine being able to describe to the people in Philippi 2,000 years ago what church and expressing faith would look like in 2017. Or let's even bring it closer to home. Imagine Rivercross Church. Rivercross has, uh, this year marks the 175th anniversary of our church family meeting together and serving this part of St. John. 175 years ago, now, not one of those founding members who gathered to pray and had a burden and a passion to see God doing great things in this part of St. John are alive to join us here this morning. But they believed that it could happen. 175 years ago, there were a group of people that wanted you to be here today. How awesome is that? 
before even the nation of Canada was formed, there were people that had a burden to see God do great things in the neighborhoods around St. John. And we get to benefit from their passions, from their gifts, from the good works that God started in them and is continuing to carry through to completion today. So then the challenge for us then is how are we going to invest in our neighborhoods? How are we going to bless them and see God do his work in ways that could have impact for generations, for another 175 years or beyond? Imagine how your passion for academics can lead to a breaking discovery about our world that others will benefit from. Imagine how your burden for injustice or mental health or wherever your passions lead you can help you help others find healing. Or imagine how inviting a friend to church can completely change the trajectory of a family's life. That is the good work that God has started in us. The difference we make lasts longer than the years of our lives. God is calling us to be a part of his team. He's calling us to reflect his goodness, and he's starting something in us, and God always finishes what he starts. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder today that you start good works in us. You have started a good work in your church to be making a difference in this world that has centuries and centuries of opportunities to be a blessing. God, thank you that here today as we celebrate and honor, honor and recognize our graduates, that we were reminded of these three promises, not just for them, but for our lives as well, is that we are part of your team and we can live together in unity and serve each other as a blessing and a support for each other. Thank you for the reminder that the good things in our lives are a reflection of your goodness to us and help us to respond to that, to live justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. And then God, I thank you that for no control on our own and in no way that we could ever do this on our own, you are doing good works. Works that you call us to do as broken as people as we are. You still make us right and you carry through your work in our lives. So Lord, for all of these things, we thank you for the chance that we can celebrate here today and to know that you are calling and leading and guiding us all here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for a final song. <laughs>